0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log Live is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and their collection of exclusive Star Trek visual reference books and other great titles and gifts waiting for you at herocollector.com books. Use promo code MISSION10 at checkout for 10% off all books and graphic novels. Hello there, people of the internet. It's us, people of Mission Log. Here to talk to you on a Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion.
1: And I'm Holly Amos. It's time to talk about People of Earth, the third episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. We officially have a new captain on board. Plus, we get reintroduced to a favorite Star Trek species. And along the way, we check in with the situation on Earth pretty complicated, you guys. It's pretty complicated. <laughs> What's your word? Join the conversation now by clicking on the Zoom meeting link by using the one tap from your smartphone or by calling us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting pa- meeting code and the password. Don't forget. Earl will greet you and you'll be talking with us about this week's disco episode.
0: Yeah, so 930 years, it uh, can do a lot to a place. There's a lot of uh, space debris, a good amount of paranoia, you know, just, uh, oh, oh, some really cool masks, you know, so I guess that hasn't changed much since the year 2020. Uh, And at least one big tree. Now We'll talk about trees more, I promise there will be some good quality tree talk. I hope that you will join us uh, to talk over that and uh, and any other topic from Disco. But trees definitely could be the top of the list. This show is all about your thoughts and your opinions. That's why we're here. So validate our existences by giving us a call, or better yet, joining us on video. Earl is standing by. We will be standing by, and then Earl will patch you through to us. So, uh, Holly, you heart Trekkies. That's uh, that's what I see here. You heart Trekkies, yes.
1: It's a very Great. old shirt. I think this is from the experience.
0: It is from the experience. Yeah. Yes. I remember <laughs> when they had those there. Oh, that's going back. That's like 10 years at this point now. Uh,
1: it closed in 2008. So like 12 years.
0: Oh my God. So yeah. So literally more than 12 years that the t-shirt uh, mm-hmm. was there. We're Oh, wow. It's in
1: good shape too. And I have another one yeah. that says Klingons love me. So, oh,
0: nice. Very good. Yeah. All but right. yeah,
1: it's in pretty good shape, but I think it's a child size. I don't know. <laughs>
0: That's very good. It's pretty small. Uh, oh, okay. Well, very cool. I think for are being theme appropriate tonight. And uh, I do want to say hello to the people who are joining us in chat. We have some very familiar faces there saying hello to us. There's Alan Perry. There's uh, Evelyn. There's uh, Scott Hall. There's, oh, hey, hey, there's, there's Bob Amos. Checking in. Hi, Dad. Hello. <laughs> so there's Bob. Uh, there's Paul Troutline. There, there are many Pauls. We'll just get through all the Pauls right away. You know, there's Paul one, Paul two. Uh, there's Paul Harveth, uh There is Rick. There's Kim saying good evening to everyone. There's David. David says so about the final scene with the tree down on Earth. I just rewatched it looking for the AF. Ah! Uh-huh, right but either not the same tree or it grew out years ago. Well, it did have like For, eight 800 years to grow out.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's like a ridiculous... Like, okay, so we were talking about this. If it mm-hmm. is the elm tree yeah. that Picard talks about, he talks about this tree in... The AF is in the episode The Game. Yes. And then he also talks about it in The Drumhead. And the reason why I think it's the same tree is because very specifically Picard talks about how he would study underneath that tree and all of the characters in that final scene are like, I used to study under the tree. Me too. And I was like, "It's, it's gotta be the same tree, right? It's
0: a nice little bit of continuity. And, um, you know, that, that tree Boothby could have been taking care of it and come up with a tree that lasts a very long time. So why not? Uh, there's Alan. Hello, Alan. There's Tate. There's, uh, let's see who else do we have. There's Rick. Uh, There's Chuck. There's George. Hello to everybody. So nice to see all of you here. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. Paul says something here about Holly's next t-shirt that he's replying to Rick. Oh, cake is eternal. Cake, so that is the vote for your next t-shirt. I'm sure it's that a, they will
1: make that too.
0: I'm almost certain. If, uh, if the disco people take advantage of this the way that Laura Dex did, they do like a t-shirt of the week club. Yeah. I think it would be great. By the way, uh, Holly, mom says hi too.
1: Hi, mom. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tate says, oh, the, the AF is on the back side." Of the tree hey
1: i mean we only so see the front side that's, that's fair. yeah
0: yeah so that's a good thing to know there's phoenix there's casey so welcome to everybody uh thank you for joining us tonight really uh oh, well, see okay, evelyn wait.
1: evelyn is talking the same thing that i brought up when i right? looked up the lifespan of elm trees and it's like 300
0: that's now that's what we i know, know in the future
1: like maybe we figured out a way to like just maybe there's like sequoias now
0: yeah, why would why wouldn't you take the say the uh, the genetic modification that makes a redwood last a thousand years and just go like, hey, Boothby, uh, slip that into an elm gene
1: and see what happens? I mean, it is a tree in California, yeah. and we have all of the very old trees here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's one <laughs> it's one that survived the uh, the other burn, <laughs> the, the one that we have going on now, sadly. Yeah, uh, Carlos says elm is eternal in the future apparently right i think you're right hey a little bit of stuff coming up just to remind you that next week uh, holly will be back with norman and they will be discussing episode four forget me not so that is coming up next week and then uh let's see uh, well i won't even mention what's on mission log because i'm i'm either a week behind uh filling in ad data or i'm two weeks ahead with what i have to write so i have no idea what's coming out this week (laughs) just won't even bother. Let's talk about the poll question before we get to the recap. Uh, Holly, you created last week's poll question, so why don't you fill us in on that one?
1: Uh, Best crash sequence, obviously, as an homage to the fact that we saw the Discovery crash on what they're calling the colony. Uh, So I chose the USS Enterprise D, D's crash in Star Trek Generations, which got 58% of the vote, so that by far won. Uh, USS Voyager's crash in Voyager's Timeless, that got 17%. USS Enterprise in Star Trek Beyond, 16%, which I watched it again last night because it happened to be on CBS, and Mm -hmm. I didn't remember that crash sequence being as good as it was. I feel like 16% is...
0: It, it, it's a great crash. It,
1: it's a great crash, it and really then it fl- is, and then it yeah. flips over later because they go yeah. back. It's a, it's a great sequence. Uh, USS Discovery's uh, crash in Far From Home only got nine percent, so apparently mm. people were not impressed with the newest crash sequence.
0: I, I think you know going back and watching the uh, the effect on the Enterprise D and Generations. I think it's good and it stands out because we were with that ship for so long. I a hundred percent think you
1: know, it's nostalgia.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's that. But I mean, you go back and you watch the effect, and like as far as special effects go it's very good but it is very much of the time
1: right you know
0: it's a very early mid-90s effect so yeah <laughs> you look at uh, you look at beyond and that is incredible and and as i was saying to you before the show it's so cool that we get to spend time on that crash ship and go to different rooms and see what's happening it's, it's just it's very cool yeah uh this week we asked you as we're talking about trees this week we asked you What's the best Star Trek tree <laughs> so far? So far, 25 votes. Uh, sure, surely more of you go over to our Twitter uh, handle, twitter.com slash drop in your vote. Pretty evenly divided right now. So these are your choices for the best Star Trek tree. Uh, that one with Finnegan, uh, that one in the Nexus, that one at Starfleet headquarters, and that one on Catan. So uh, that they're all with, Friends episodes. They are, exactly. <laughs> that one with Finnegan, look, you can just take Finnegan. I do not care for Finnegan. Take him, please. 24 percent. That one of the Nexus, uh, big emotional scene for Picard, only 16 percent there.
1: Also, is that still the only Christmas tree that we've seen? I think it is. It might be. I think the only... it is the only Christmas tree that we've seen so far in Star somebody,
0: Trek. Uh, somebody chime in uh, in the chat here if we're wrong about that. I would love to know if there's another one I in think
1: there.
0: It is. There's a reference to the Christmas party, of course, in TOS. The inner, remember the science division Christmas party where something happened with Kirk. And yeah, but
1: we don't see any trees. We don't
0: see a tree. I don't know. But it is a direct call out to Christmas in that. Um, and then uh, that one at Starfleet headquarters, well, you know, as we're speculating, could be the same tree. Or they just have a whole bunch of big trees waiting. And when one dies, they just, they just pop another one in there. Like, here, kids, study under this. Yeah, it's the same tree. Shh. Uh, And then that one in Catan, it was the only tree on Catan, of course, when uh, Picard was there. Um, Yeah, 28% of that one, a dramatically important tree. We'll give them that. So weigh in, tree talk on Mission Log Live. Hey, I'll get to uh, the recap now. We have a couple of people standing by to chat with us. Now is a great time for you to call in. Use Zoom, use the one tap from your smartphone or call us 669-900-6833. Perfect time while I am reading. <gasps> for there Obi- is another
1: Christmas tree. They're right. There is,
0: there is. Okay. When what did Q they say?
1: makes Voyager a Christmas ornament.
2: Ooh, good.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, that good is job, you really guys. Really good. Nice, nice. I we knew we could count on you. Perfect, perfect. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to read for a minute and then uh, everybody call in and then Paul and Chris, who are standing by, we'll talk to you in just a moment. People of Earth, reunited and it feels so good. It's been a year since Michael Burnham landed in the 32nd century, and she has spent her time looking for discovery and any remnants of the Federation. As luck would have it, Disco comes out of a close scrape after making it through the wormhole a year after Burnham, and they got her message. It's a heartfelt and still a little weird reunion. Time travel will do that to you. And with Burnham a year older and wiser with different experiences, she's seeing how she relates to her old crew. One thing is for sure, they left us hanging with who should be captain, and now it's Burnham who says Saru is definitely the man for the job. Their new mission is to go back to Earth and see what happened in 900 years. They're following up on a message left by an Admiral Senatal sent 12 years ago, and maybe they'll find this person and be welcomed back by Starfleet HQ. Not so fast. First, they've got to hide their stash of dilithium since it's a hot commodity. They'll do so by putting it in book ship cloaked in the hangar bay. When they do arrive at Earth, it's not a happy welcome. Discovery is seen as a potential threat by the United Earth Defense Force. More bad news. What remained of Starfleet or the Federation packed up and left right after the burn? The Defense Force representatives who show up on Discovery for an inspection are suspicious and unfriendly. Earth itself has gone full-on isolationist, and they prefer Disco to leave. What's more, Admiral Tall is dead, so, uh, oh yeah, there's a bad guy named Wen who lurks by trying to steal dilithium. Now he's got to set sight on Disco. A little chicanery throws off Wen as Burnham and Booker act as a decoy with all of Disco's stolen dilithium, and Saru pilots Discovery to act as a shield— It's enough for Burnham to capture Wen, which forces a negotiation between him and Earth. Turns out Wen is human after all, from a colony on Titan. And now they may actually be able to help each other. Imagine that. The Earth Defense inspectors allow Discovery's crew to visit the surface, and it is also allowed that one of the inspectors, Adira, will stay with the Discovery crew. She's curious, precocious, very smart, and she happens to know Admiral Tao. Well, she tells Saru that she is him. Well, it's a trill thing. More on that as the story unfolds. Down in San Francisco, a crew from Discovery drops by what was Starfleet Academy to visit a gigantic tree that has stood the test of time. Soon they'll have to leave to search for what remains of the Federation. The end. Oh, so much to unpack, so much with the tree, so So many many other things. Hey, you had a great point uh, right before we started the show tonight. You had a really great point about an important uh, modifier here, an important descriptor that I used in my recap script, and then actually is a little different in the show versus what we're hearing from CBS. Do you want to go ahead and elucidate on that a bit?
1: Right, so it's it's the concept of preferred pronouns uh, especially for people who consider themselves to be non-binary which you know we've been hearing that Adira is a non-binary character uh she's being played by a non-binary actor whose preferred pronouns and I did look it up uh Blue's preferred pronouns are they them but there's a whole scene in this episode uh between Stamets and Tilly where they're referring to Adira as she and her. And so I was right. a little bit confused as to whether or not that was a mistake, whether the characters preferred pronouns are actually she, her um, maybe it's the not a mistake in the writing, but a mistake on the characters, not knowing that she has preferred pronouns that may be they, them like we don't, I don't know at this point, but we're referring to Adira as she, her, because that's how the characters in the show are currently
0: referring. Right. And and I'd be interested to see if, as we get more, will they continue with those pronouns or something else? So, for for the purpose here, uh, we're referring to her as her, as she, just because that was that's what was in the script last night. So I would also say that this is, you know, uh, Holly and I are not experts on this. I would say this is a great opportunity for women at Warp. I am sure that they are hard at work right now uh, coming up with a, a, an episode to address exactly this. So we will check in with them at some point and see how that goes. Um, Hey, we have a caller standing by. We have one of our many Pauls. He is a charter member of the Paul Club. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome, Paul, to the show. How are you doing tonight, Paul? <gasps> Paul's hey, doing good. What's up? What that? Are, you, are you saying that for yourself or you speak for all Pauls?
3: Everybody I speak for all group? Pauls. We are a, okay. uh, you know, a a bound organization and we, we stand with each other at all Paul cost. <laughs> good,
0: good, excellent. Well, excellent to see you and uh, what is on your mind tonight?
3: Uh, a couple of things. First of all, Holly, I um, wanted to tell you I was the person who was shocked at your um, Deep Space Nine reference last week to Dr. Bashir. I thought you'd get a chance. to. I wanted to see you in person. Um, you're the first person I've ever met and I've been a Trekkie forever who's, who said Bashir was their favorite. So that was, I have, I
1: have many a Bashir cosplay, actually. (laughs) I have his, I have his baseball uniform. I have his racquetball outfit. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Bashir fan.
0: That is awesome. awesome. I, I think Bashir is probably underappreciated in some ways. And Holly, the other thing that you and I bond over, and we'll have to get into it more, is uh, your deep loathing for Chakotay. Ugh. So, uh...
1: it, but it's not even. It's 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 not. It has nothing to do with like. <laughs> robert beltran or like anything like <laughs> of that of course I just,
0: of course he
1: is just the, that character is just so mishandled by the writers
0: and oh, can't i can't wait to talk about that with
1: both. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts we'll get into that on another day because i do have a lot oh. of thoughts and background information that's like oh that's why that was like that we'll get into it later
0: yes i love it uh so paul, well, that's... uh by the way you're now being referred to as paul prime Paul, so yes, yeah, awesome. so, I'm so honored. Thank you. That's uh, that's the way. And the other Paul saying, "Hey, it's Paul." So good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, what uh, what is on your mind tonight? Um,
3: first of all, Holly, your great addition. Appreciate all your wealth and knowledge and your enthusiasm. um thank here. I'll yeah, it's been that. a lot of fun. Um, a couple of things. I know there's a lot of people who really, really. Um, loathe Burnham as a character you know there's they're out there they're the Burnham haters and I'm just yeah. wondering is this their opportunity to to like offer maybe just to leave her in the future because she sort of has that um you know I'd like i like being here and I'm not used to being back with you guys and I sort of forgot about you um is that is is that a potential thing do we or don't we uh don't we I I, I like her I think she's a little you know omnipresent. She's always around and always so important to these episodes, and sometimes it gets a little much, and I can see where people are coming from, but um, she's so much more relaxed this year. And uh, yeah. I mean, Jonathan-
1: I, I don't disagree with like her being like, I mean, she's we talked about this on an earlier episode where it's like, you know, her mother is the Red Angel, and she was adopted by Spock's family, and so Spock is her adopted brother, and like, there's just, she's got a lot of connections that I don't think that very many other characters in starfleet or people in starfleet would have that many connections and like everything is her like everything comes back to her And i mean i don't know what people expect when she's the central character but also i see people's argument where like she she they've made her to be too important
0: yeah yeah i i, I totally agree i mean it, it's the difference between uh, and, and again, I, I think we should preface this by saying "Sinequa Martin-Green is a great actor. Yeah, she she's is a phenomenal so actor. good. She's so magnetic on screen. There's so much to like about her. But there's a big difference here when you say, okay, the central character of our show, uh, we're going to tell you how important she is instead of showing you. And this is a big difference between like, okay, Kirk is a farm boy from Iowa who read too much in school. And I uh, you know our other captains that we 've had so far have been developed because of their experiences, not because of some sort of like uh, uh, you know provenance uh, not some sort of you know divine reason that they are there, and we set that up right away with Burnham. Oh, she's Spock's sister. Oh, she was raised by Sarek because there are apparently no other Vulcans to get to know. Um, And then her mother's the Red Angel. And then she's the one who has to complete that mission at the end of season two. What I love is that now by making her completely the fish out of water in the 32nd century and separating her from the crew, we got to reboot everything quite a bit. And even Tilly says it in this episode, you seem lighter. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the audience going like, oh yeah, you do seem lighter quite a bit. I wonder if this is one of those things where the writers on their own said, okay, look, we forced all this stuff about Burnham. Now let's just let the characters be, be the awesome people that that they are, be the the, uh, capable people that they are and follow those stories. Or do either of you think that this is a response to some criticism from fan circles and and elsewhere where maybe they just said like, oh yeah, maybe we should tone it down a little bit and tonally change the show a little bit.
1: I don't know if it's a response. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like they had to have known where they were going. I mean, obviously the end of season two, setting up season three, like they had to have known where they were going prior to the i mean because i feel like a lot of the complaints about almost like the nepotistic self-importance of of burnham as a character i don't even Mm -hmm. know how to describe it um that it came to be a lot in the second season but the second season was already decided and then they had to have known that it was going to set up this third season so i don't think that's a response to completely based on
3: production time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah how well, many shows yeah. how many shows have ever been written where they respond to you know complaints from the fans you know well, yeah and, and
0: i don't mean it as quite that short of a leap but you know the uh, discovery came out in 2017 here we are <laughs> at the end now of 2020 and we've only gotten what up until now 18 uh sorry 28 episodes of discovery 28 episodes of a show is a time to sort of retool and rethink like, oh, what what do we think worked? What do we think doesn't work? What opportunities have we afforded us by now separating our characters and time and, and doing this sort of refresh? you know so yeah i i don't think that it's exactly you know a fan has a hotline to the production office and, oh i really wish you'd change this <laughs> i don't want that ever that that is a a bad idea um, yeah no but kidding. Uh, but i do think that people who write on these shows they are fans they get star trek they can't help but be aware of opinions that are out there and just go like huh maybe there's something to be said for shifting this way or shifting this character this way and seeing where we land.
1: I mean, I I am liking Burnham as a character a lot more than I have in past seasons and just in the first three episodes of season three alone.
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah, The happy juice did it for me. That was like, talk about acting, man. That was fantastic. Uh, I still want to see. Tilly on the happy juice. I just got a couple of quick notes. I know you get a lot of callers. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, the pronoun discussion was very interesting. Um, I just love that character, how they were yes. introduced and how interesting and, and sort of nefarious. And what am I doing here? And, and she's young and smart and, or they, I should yes. say, yeah. maybe um, they're taking their time with that and having her, interdu- having, having, themselves introduce themselves as um non-binary maybe i mean that
1: that occurred to me too is that obviously this being the first character who's non-binary and a lot of people will argue that um there were non-binary characters in uh tng's outcast but i've I did some reading today and those are actually considered androgynous and there is a difference between androgynous and non-binary. So uh, I I did think that, that the possibility existed that it wasn't a mistake on the writers on the account of the writers, that this character was going to explain the concept of non-binary to the other characters hmm. who were referring to her as she later on
3: That's what because I'm
1: they, they yeah. didn't, they didn't breach the subject at all. I mean, obviously we know that this character is non-binary because it was talked about before the show went on the air. Um, but I'm really interested to see how they handle that character.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I, I think there's a lot of potential there and really well well introduced and well written in my opinion um and one last thing I want to give the shout out for Chris Heyerdahl who's uh Star yes. Stargate and Sanctuary fame uh we've been to my wife and I've been to several conventions and met him and photographed with him and just a phenomenal human being great actor uh and perfect role for him so spends
1: a lot of time in space does he
3: oh he does in make-believe places too hey
0: but if uh if none of you have watched it none of you listening or either of you hell on wheels that brought us Anson Mount and then put Colomini in as the bad guy uh Chris Heyerdahl was the Swede in that even though he was Norwegian um that that became a, a plot point in there he is Awesome and terrifying in that show. Oh, he, so I, yeah. I oh oh and and Hell on Wheels was shot by Marvin Rush, my favorite uh, DP on Star Trek. So go go watch Hell on Wheels. That show was awesome, and Chris is terrifying and uh, unforgettable in it. So yeah, awesome.
3: Well, you guys keep up the good work. Uh, I think you got Chris on the line next, and uh, we'll we'll see you down the line.
0: Take care, Paul. Bye. Cheers. Yes. Till next time. All right. And uh, Paul was absolutely correct. His powers of prognostication are amazing. We do, in fact, have Chris joining us now. So, Chris, welcome to the show.
4: Hey guys, doing good. Good to see you both. Good to see good one to of the many you. calls. I'll where
1: are <laughs> you today? Yeah, are you in are, are,
0: yeah.
4: are community? This, this uh close. This is Parks um, and Rec. Uh, it's Captain Holt's Office from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, that was way <laughs> off. You got, cool. you got NBC sitcom. We'll give you half credit there. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, but What's yeah. on your mind? Uh, I really like what, what I described as sort of the heightening of um, Burnham and Saru's characters. Because Saru has always been sort of the sort of org chart, follow the rules type of guy. And Burnham has always been sort of more fast and loose. And I like, it seems where we're going this season is sort of, like, like I said, heightening those ideals, but still sort of keeping them together. So now Saru's the captain. He's really all about the rules and <sighs> sort of, you know, the org chart. And Michael had her, as Giorgio, Giorgio says, her walkabout with Booker. And so she's she hasn't lost, I don't think, any of her morality, but like her like the restriction. I mean, we have a conversation with Jojo again about the freedom and stuff. So I like how we're sort of taking elements of these characters and bringing them up to another level and sort of seeing where we go with that.
0: It's kind of a classic combination, right? I mean, uh, in TOS, you've got the, um, uh, you know, sort of reactionary and uh, emotional Kirk uh, tempered by the, you know, dedication to the org org chart, which is Spock, Then you flip that in TNG and you've got, uh, you know, Captain Diplomacy with Picard and and the man who is very much by the rules. But of course, he has to have a first officer who is a bit more um, of a a rebel, you know, a bit more action oriented. So it's a a good good combination to see that uh, manifested in Saru and Burnham, where you have, first of all, Saru, absolutely a by the books, you know, rules following guy, but oh man, what passion he brings to that. Like we were kind of teasing that uh, last season when he, he got a few moments to give a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of a speech here and there. And now in this episode, oh my, oh my, my, my heart just leapt every time he'd sort of make this impassioned plea about who we are and what our mission is. I cannot love him more. And I cannot love more the arc that that character has had since we met him. You Know again in only 28 now, plus three episodes into the new one, we've gotten this just huge change in who Saru is and what motivates him and how he motivates the people around him.
1: And he's officially captain, he is it's
3: so Yay! awesome.
1: Hey, <laughs> I that scene that scene had me tearing up. I'm yes, I because we were talking about in the last episode, uh, how his leadership skills were very much on display and have been since obviously the first, the first two or that yeah. episode um, and previous episodes in, in previous seasons. But I, I, he was, he was ready for that, man. Yeah. He, he was ready for that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's officially captain.
0: He so, good. Be. so good. So uh, good. What else, Chris, what else is on your mind?
4: Uh, a couple, two small details. I like the, the sort of poignancy of Tilly's like wall of comm badges. Uh, oh, that was yes. a, that very Ron Moore Battlestar Galactica, the wall of photos in the hallway. Um, I did that. And perhaps the most important thing from this episode, we saw a sneak peek of Robot Friend. Uh, Robot Friend was out there repairing Discovery. <laughs> yes, they are. No,
1: we've we've seen those before, though. Those. Yeah. those yeah, we've we've seen. They're called Dot Sevens.
0: But in live action Star Trek, have we?
1: We saw them in an episode when it was repairing the Enterprise. But they're oh. most well known for the animated short that Michael Keeno did.
0: Ephraim and Fram and, and Dot. Yeah.
1: It's the same little robot guys. Yeah,
4: yeah. but he's, right.
1: he's, he's But we see more. We're going to see more of them. I know
4: he's in the theme song. He's got to be important. Little robot I, friends. I, uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What else? What um a little production thing. I really like the music cue that Adria has when she's in the Jeffries tube. The kind of like you know oh, the whimsical. But yes, yes. Um, that's really good. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, let's see. What else?
1: Jeff uh-huh. Russo is doing a great oh, job yeah. on the music, yeah. and he did all all of the music for this uh, season. He had to record every single person, every instrument separately in their home. Oh, and man. then put it together like he couldn't get a big orchestra together so it's, it's i mean it's pretty impressive that uh the music is so good considering that he didn't have all the tools that he's usually had at his disposal
0: i i have to say that with uh, uh adira i think it's you know star trek has had this problem in the past of writing young characters Wesley crusher um much improved by the time we got to a Jake Cisco. But I think this might be the young character that I'm most interested in just because there are so many layers and so much going on there that, that is yet to be revealed. And obviously and,
1: her being Trill is there's gonna be a lot of things
0: you know, that we find
1: out later, you know, how is she's a human. She's only the mm-hmm. second human that we know of that is that has hosted a troll because you know, yeah. they can't host him for very long, so why is she able to host it? Um, long-term, and if you guys remember, the first human to host a trill that we know of is Riker, that's right, played by Jonathan Frakes, who directed directed this this episode. episode. It's so fitting that he was the one to direct this. Well, thank
0: goodness he was there to give her all of his uh, human trill hosting knowledge. But Uh, I I feel like
1: there's going to be some sort of medical advancement that allows humans to host trills, but that doesn't come without there being problems like the fact that she is not able to recall the memories like most, you know, like Dax was able right. to do, like Jadzia Dax was able to do.
0: Right, right. And, so. and honestly, I, I hope that we're not spending just a ton of time trying to figure that out. It's like, okay, it's hundreds of years in the future. Here's a thing that happened because guess what? This is the one time that this can happen in this way. All right, fine. Let's just carry on with the story and and see where that leads. It's an interesting premise it's an interesting uh it's an interesting way to deal with this uh gap in knowledge and gap in communication that's happened to all these you know presumably hundreds of species that now can't uh, can't talk to each other so I, I like having the trill as being sort of a, a focal point to uh, to answer some of these questions i'm excited to see future
1: mysteries. trill Future girl, right?
0: yeah, yeah, that will be very cool. Um,
4: <laughs> anything else on your mind tonight, Chris? Oh, let's think. I mean, I, we covered a lot of it. Yeah, Saru, Saru's a wonderful captain. Uh, what? Oh, what's his line? Uh, it is our privilege to make our future bright, or whatever. That that no. needs to be a T-shirt or a yes. pin or something. Yes.
1: He's he's got a couple of good lines. He also said uh, Starfleet doesn't fire first, which is, of course, a callback to Georgiou saying that in the pilot.
4: Yes. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool.
1: Also, like, hardcore holding up the ideals of Starfleet when Starfleet's not really a thing anymore and he kind of doesn't have to. I mean, that's, you know, that's a running theme (laughs) is Mm. that they don't have to adhere to these ideals because the Federation and Starfleet are not really around anymore, but he's he's going to
0: this is shades of voyager you know which is okay look we're completely on the other side of the galaxy we're Mm -hmm. cut off who are we when we don't have the structure around us when we uh, have been used to relying on and and keeping us in check keeping us accountable well guess what we get to be the ones that we are accountable to we are the ones who get to decide what our values are i think it's um you know, that's an important message regardless, and it just happens to fit very neatly and nicely into the science fiction franchise, which has done a great job in 50 years of looking at morals, meanings, messages. So I'm glad they're, uh, they're exploring that even further here. Um, Chris, we got a couple more people to talk to and a little business to take care of. So uh, if you have any parting shots, uh, please lay them on us now.
4: Uh, I, th- I think we mostly covered it. Uh, I've been really enjoying... This season, I, like you guys, I'm looking forward to where Adira goes. I'm looking forward to her unlocking her secrets, presumably next episode based on the teaser. Uh, But yeah, this has been a really good season so far and I've been enjoying it a lot. Yeah.
0: Very cool, man. Thank you so much. Uh, We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us tonight, Chris. And uh, oh, by the way, I I love this. Chris Riker in the chat says, Saru kept his bridge in line when the jerks kept trying to subvert his orders. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I can't, cannot disagree or cannot agree with you more there, uh, Chris. Absolutely. For sure. And then, uh, yeah, Carlos says Voyager had the spore drive. The conceit of the lost ship would only have lasted as long as the pilot. Well, yes, absolutely. Er. Can't can't do the show that way. Yeah. Uh, and then Tate says, what subspace radio disrupted after the burn? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did refer to that uh, in the first episode. I know that they said that the Gorn had destroyed what, uh, two sectors of subspace or something like that. So we know that there are problems of communication. There's a lot of communication that's cut off. Dang, Gorn. uh, Yeah, yeah. What are you going (laughs) to do with them? Hey, um, we have a little bit of business to take, too. We have uh, Eric and Alan who are hanging on patiently. We will get to you very soon. But first, we have to do this. We have to tell you about our friends over at Eagle Moss and the bookshop. Uh, brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector. So now you know that we love their tiny spaceships. There's a lot of them back here behind me right now. Uh, but Eagle Moss does an incredible job of publishing books from every corner of the Star Trek universe. And um, you know even corners you may not be as familiar with because there is an ever expanding variety of officially authorized special edition books published by Eagle Moss and available online at the Eagle Moss shop. Now, Holly, you take it away while the uh, while the B-roll is running. I'm going to grab the Star Trek Voyager book, and I'll show it off when you're done.
1: Okay. <laughs> Fans who pay a visit to the exclusive Star Trek bookshop at herocollector.com slash books will discover a range of definitive visual guides that go as deep into Star Trek history and canon as any book's ever published, each extensively researched and developed by Eagle Moss Hero Collector under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Books from the Star Trek Shipyards series present a timeline of almost every ship that has ever appeared in the Star Trek TV shows and movies from the original series Forward to Discovery and Backwards to Enterprise. Some of these volumes are dedicated exclusively to Starfleet starships while others focus on other members of the federation that includes the vulcans the andorians tellarites bajorans so on and so forth books in the designing starship series boldly go where few have gone before deep behind the scenes into the conception development and detail of ships from every single star trek era there are even volumes of the comprehensive official star trek graphic novel collection
0: Okay. I see, so I that
1: book. Yeah, all right. So
0: Earl, kill, kill the B-roll because uh, here we go. I, I got this out. Now, when I say it makes a great gift, yes, I'm not kidding. Makes a great gift. This is a big hardback Star Trek Voyager book. It is awesome. It is glossy. And, I mean, they, they go into such detail. There is a chapter in here about how the self-destruct system works on Voyager. And there's every panel at every station, what those do. And, Holly, just for you, I opened it up to the full- Spread here in color, glossy color of Chicote's office, so you can get all the details on Chicote's office, including does it the have fact... his
1: thing on the wall?
0: Yeah, well, they talk about how he uh, redecorated his <laughs> office over the years, and uh, you know different types of rugs, uh, uh, brightly patterned ethnic rugs were a design motif for him. They even talk about the plants in the room. So um, look, okay. you could hire you could hire an architect you could uh, hand them this book and say, I would like Chakotay's office, please, with the brightly patterned ethnic rugs and everything.
1: Does it have all of the different variations of what Voyager could have been?
0: Yes, the, there is a- Those are so interesting, the development,
1: right? yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The different sketches of what Voyager could have been. But yeah, because um, Rick
0: was sort of battling, not battling, but but he was up against the idea that you're going to have an Enterprise-E coming. So they had right. to shift off the design so one didn't look too much like the other, and Yeah. It's yeah. Cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, so look, what are you waiting for? Go over to HeroCollector.com books. Use our code Mission10 is there on screen for you. Mission10. Get 10% off your order. And just between you and me and everybody else, uh, mm-hmm. that is good for the entire bookshop, not just the Star Trek books. So go crazy. Tell them we sent you. They will love it. So, uh, we have standing by Eric, who wants to chime in about this week's episode. So, uh, Eric, welcome to the... oh wait, do we nope, lose No, we already had
1: Eric. We're go- we've got to talk to Alan now.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Wait, wait. No, wait. Eric, no. We had Chris. Wait, wait, wait. We had Paul. We have no Eric. Oh, oh did dear. Eric go away? Oh, maybe. All right. So it sounds like we have some technical stuff going on. We will let that sort Always. of self out. And uh, we'll be back with uh, uh, who we have saying by Eric Allen and John Arminio. So can't ah, wait okay. to talk to the three of you. In the meantime, so Holly, you and I both uh, took some notes. And um, I think we have some similar notes here uh but we, do. we we do we do is the same things kind of stand out to us uh saru's promotion yes we've talked about it. maybe a little verklempt um his acceptance his charge it's just it, that's what it's all about to me and he rises to the occasion in a beautiful way um and i would also say that one of the things that i really liked about this episode is that regardless of the sci-fi trappings you know chris I was just talking about Tilly and that sort of wall of honor with the badges. I love that this episode takes a little time to ruminate on loss, but also friendship and how time changes people. We don't need a lot of that to get hit over the head with, but those few little moments I thought were really personal and lovely. Yeah. And I, Burnham, all, and, mm-hmm. Burnham and Tilly's
1: conversation where she says, You let us go, didn't you? Yeah. And they just, yeah. It's a great, it's a, it's a great scene and it's, it's uh simple too. There's like you said, yeah. there's not a lot of beating over the head. Um, you know, Tilly talks about, I had this vision of you blowing on a dandelion and they just go, oh. which is, uh, that's a nice, it's a, yeah. that's a nice scene.
0: It was beautiful. Um, it was
1: yeah. Beautiful. It's heavy, yeah. but it's, it's, it's uh, simple. And it articulates um, that struggle that the characters are going to have yeah well i mean all the characters on discovery in relation to burnham herself who you know they've been separated for from burnham's perspective a year right Uh, which i I mean from that's only from burnham's perspective too you have to think about the people on discovery like they came through the wormhole not that long ago so for Burnham, before
0: they crashed right there she is (laughs) for
1: burnham's mindset to be like it's been a year and for these characters to be like it's been a couple of hours um that's got to mess with your mind a little bit. Yeah,
5: yeah.
0: Hey, uh, and by the way, since we were just talking about Eagle Loss, I really, really want Eagle Loss to make Book's ship. I love I too, that which, ship.
1: Does Book's ship have a name yet? I don't think it does.
0: Uh, book's ship. That's Book the name ship. of it. Yeah, all right. Awesome. So Ben Robinson get on that. Hey, uh, joining us now is Alan. Welcome to Alan, who is here all the way from the Lower Decks. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir?
5: I'm doing fine, John. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks for calling uh, in. By the way, uh, John Champion, this yes. is our first time talking live. Yes. Factor Fiction.
0: <laughs> yes, so what people don't know, Alan is the the mad genius, the twisted genius behind what I post uh, almost every week. Some, some weeks we, we can't just for a variety of reasons, uh, the Riker meme. Now it's not technically Riker, it's Jonathan Frakes from Factor Fiction. Steve, your your
5: freaks back to the week. (laughs) Yes, they
0: never cease to crack me up because you are right there on Mission Log release day. And uh, you just have the perfectly phrased what it takes us an hour to do on Mission Log. You get across in one sentence. So well done,
5: sir. It takes me like four to come up with those, so it sort of evens itself out. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to finally I was hoping that yeah. would it's a pleasure to meet you here in, in this format. Absolutely. By the way, before we move on to your comments, uh, Earl says uh, his vote is that we call bookship the grudge mobile. And I cannot
5: argue with that. Can we get an yeah, can we get an Eagle Moss book about Bookship?
3: I, I
1: would hope so. I would like yeah. to. Uh, yeah. it's, it's got an interesting interior, much of which we haven't even seen yet. Hey, Grudge, though. Yeah. Do we think Grudge is a queen? Like an actual queen? Because he keeps saying it, and I feel like it's not ironic
0: anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. This is a little – there's something going on with Grudge that we don't know about. Kind of like Isis and Assignment Earth. She's maybe. a queen
1: of something. She's yeah. cubby, right? This is not ironic anymore. I know you keep saying she's a queen. I'm like, but she's <laughs> – there's like a, she's got to be a queen of something.
0: There's something, there's something going on
1: there. Yeah. All right, I'm waiting for that reveal. All
0: right, Alan, what is <laughs> on your mind tonight?
5: Well, I, I first of all, I, I'm going to get the, the stupid joke out of the way and just say <laughs> that I love, I, I, I did enjoy the scene with uh, Stamets and Adira. Uh, more than anything else, I'm just glad he was, he got to the point and just said, hey, we're from the past. And not only that, the fact that he, you know, was brief about it, he could very well have told her that it had been 489, 333, 600 minutes.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's, he's super nonchalant (laughs) about it, isn't he?
3: Yeah.
5: Just
1: like, yeah, we're from the past.
0: It
3: happens. Yeah.
5: Um, but I, I, I heard you guys a little bit while I was waiting. And, uh, by the way, um, I thought the, the, uh, the mild panic attack that I was uh, experiencing from uh, for waiting to talk to you guys was on hold, and then I got bumped up in the queue. So. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Ha, ha, yeah, Earl said that we don't we don't know what happened to Eric. That he might be at a pattern buffer somewhere.
5: Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, that,
0: I, look, in eighty years we'll be able to catch up with him, and it, you'll be fine. So exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know. it's
5: always it's always. You know, nice to be the next one transported in after somebody gets lost <laughs> but, <laughs> but um i I heard you guys talking about uh the the scene with michael and tilly and and i you know I agree that was a really strong, powerful scene, and you know maybe I'm reading too much into this, but i I thought it connected really well to the story of of you know the fact that we're on earth and You know, it's interesting that, you know, it it really did feel, to me at least, like a a good, strong season three-ish TNG episode in terms of, you know, what we were going through with the people of Earth. Um, You know, I I looked at those guys and I was like, hmm, high ground?
4: Oh, yeah. I thought the same thing.
1: Really, like, xenophobic, isolationist, but the the other thing that i was thinking about um was is it warranted
5: yeah i mean because i mean we get down to earth and you know it's it's looking pretty good um things are things are pretty much you know the way that we kind of tend to expect to see that version of san francisco Mm -hmm. uh from star trek is you know you know, you got the bridge, you got the shuttlecrafts flying around and the, you know, the, the Starfleet campus, everything's, everything's looking pretty good, except we've got, you know, guys and, or I guess, you know, ladies and, and, uh, and Adira in these like super, uh, super uh, slick back haircuts and uh, the, the almost uh, Cyclops x men get ups <laughs> that they've yep, got yep. with the stripes and and, and everything going on um, and it's you know it was just kind of just kind of weird. I was like well, oh, I guess it's all right, but uh, I guess what what sort of connected those two together for me at least was they've both kind of gone through this tragedy you know Earth had the burn um, which knocked out space travel and and cut them off from the federation uh and michael had this this situation where she gets jumped 900 and however many years into the future and then uh you know is stuck there for a year and you know for for a while it, it seems like you know maybe she's given up a little bit of of her identity is as, as a starfleet officer and you know they've you know Earth has given up their their sort of identity as as Starfleet and the Federation, and they've literally walled themselves off uh and uh you know maybe she's gone through and done a little bit of the same thing and you know I think maybe that's something that uh that sort of connects them and maybe something that they're trying to tell us is that you know if you if you go through a tragedy it's it's one thing to to have to deal with it. But you know, if you choose to to wall yourself off, you know you're gonna lo- leave a little bit of yourself behind, like you know, an entire colony on Titan. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, we, you know, what we didn't even they didn't even uh, discuss uh, Luna either because there are colonies on Luna. Like, oh, yeah. Rever- Beverly yeah. Crusher was born, um, Copernicus City on mm-hmm. Luna. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, their so their badges, the United Earth Defense Force. If you yeah. look at their badge the bottom corner has uh earth and what i presume to be the moon but when we see that like protector grid i'm only seeing it go around um earth so i'm wondering mm-hmm. like obviously like titan has been completely like ignored which yeah. I, mean, now. Right. I want to know what happened to the people on luna on that, the moon. Uh,
5: that that force field is awfully form-fitting
1: Right, right, right. So, like, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I want to know what happened to the people on the moon.
5: Presumably, there
1: was still a colony there.
0: By the way, and I I don't want to be pedantic about um, uh, Burnham being stuck in the future for a year before Discovery shows up, but Carlos points out, uh, he says, how long was Burnham in the future before the Discovery? 525,600 minutes.
1: Excellent. I already made that joke.
0: (laughs) Carlos, you are cut off. You are cut off. So... um, I made Uh, the
5: red joke already. Yeah.
0: So I do want to ask both of you, um, uh, this thing about Earth. I happen to always like it when Star Trek goes back to Earth. I actually think we don't do it enough on Star Trek, because for as many times as we get great stories, great adventures, and great revealing uh, ways to explore, uh, you know, morals, meanings, messages out in space, ultimately, it is about the people on earth. Like it is about the people who are affected back home. It's about the world we're kind of carving out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like that we went there, but I feel like we're just going to be gone uh, now uh, for the next episode. So we were literally there for like five minutes in this. Um, Do you, you know, it it seems like we're saying this is a good thing to go back to earth and, there seems to be a story to actually explore there. Uh, what happened after the burn? Are the people on earth justified in being kind of isolationist now? And then what is the argument to be made against their position now? Like, what are they giving up by not being kind of cosmic citizens? At this I mean, part?
1: that's I put that in my notes is, is what is being xenophobic or isolationist, is that warranted for their self-preservation? And I think given the fact that we see... Uh, when in this and like, I mean, he's, we find out that he's actually a a human from one of the Titan colonies. A big surprise. And we are both humans. And (laughs) this is, I mean, it's great commentary. It's classic Star Trek to find out that you're actually like the same species and on the same side. And like, it's great commentary, but um, I, I, they might be warranted if they're consistently having other species attack them trying to steal what little dilithium i presume it might be left on earth like i i think it might be warranted but i need to know more like i need to know like was there a time that like you know everything was broken down and you know the, the golden gate bridge wasn't as pristine and beautiful <laughs> right how right. often do you th- did you guys know that the golden gate bridge has to get painted every year
0: isn't that crazy yeah yeah and they do yeah. the same thing with uh, like the, the Eiffel to Tower. How what many layers
1: see? of paint are on that thing? Oh,
0: uh, 525,000. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Alan, thank you so much for calling into. So we got one more caller we need yep. to get to. So um, I peace to you, my friend. And uh, please call back again, okay? Pleasure to meet you. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wait. Is this, yeah, did you look cool doing that? Okay. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> Be good. All right. So uh, rounding out the show tonight we want to say hi and welcome to john john welcome to the show how are you sir
2: i'm great how are you john doing all right
1: Pleasure. this to is see why you, i john? call most johns by their yeah. last name there's too many
0: <laughs> fair enough <Dude. laughs> call me champion right i yeah, do call yeah, you champion sure. because
1: yeah, yeah. my former boss at cbs who many viewers might know is john van sitters and i can't none of no, i can't call anybody john they all but have wait, like but,
0: but everybody calls him JVC. i call, call him JVC him? too okay all right not not yeah. van sitters that just no like that's too other... much that's
1: too much wordage yeah,
0: yeah JVC. Right.
1: but okay. like 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 john cooley at anovos so i call him cooley because cooley, I well yeah because if i say john no one knows what i'm talking about yeah. there's too many of you
0: so mr arminio what is uh on your mind tonight how are you
2: um well i've been getting some major uh tos vibes from the last couple episodes because episode two mm-hmm. you know was a bunch of you know distant miners on a colony in trouble imperiled Classic. by yeah imperiled Classic. by a um a nefarious space pirate mm-hmm. um and and in this episode it was two sort of warring cultures uh, with the enter- with the discovery instead of the enterprise used as the sort of di- diplomat or mediator but between the two groups who as per Star Trek they really don't have any um that many inherent differences between them they have more like that you said than, than they thought
1: cultures too you said cultures and like because they're literally the same species they just yeah. know yes. that right. but very yeah. obviously like their, their cultures have progressed differently
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah Yeah, and, and, um, you know, shout out to Christopher Heyerdahl for his performance. Like, he got, like, two minutes of screen time, but just the Mm -hmm. look on his face was just incredibly, you just see, like, the decades Uh, of pain in his life, so. So great. So I love that reveal. Um, But I'm I'm wondering if the reveal that when was a human is a bit of a cop-out, because does it matter that he's a human like if if his people were being victimized and shut out from earth if they were so desperate for help why does he have to be the same species as the people who live on earth
0: oh interesting yeah yeah i mean i i get it it shouldn't matter either way you know there's somebody out there who needs help who's been cut off somebody who's been victimized and is you know reacting in this sort of understandable way Um, it absolutely shouldn't matter. But I, I guess in that respect, the point is to drive home exactly how cut off Earth is from even its closest neighbors. Like mm-hmm. they, they just gave up and, and said, so who knows the situation on the moon, which is super close, who knows the situation on Titan. It seems like the first thing to do after a disaster is you try to go find, okay, where are those people who actually need our help? How do we reform? How do we bring them back in? Um, so I, I get it. Yeah, that, that is, it, it could have been just as powerful a statement either way, maybe
2: maybe yeah and i'm i'm wondering you know what was the thought process of amputating you know various parts of even the solar system or you know the the federation at, at large when the burn happened to just decide well we're just we're giving up on this well i aspect. think that's
1: we don't we don't know that yet yeah. and i think that that's important from the standpoint of how a person or in this in this case, how an entire species on the planet Earth conducts itself is going to be re- in relation to their experiences. And we don't we don't know yet like what happened to make them this xenophobic and isolationist. And that's yeah. why I'm like, they might be warranted. Like I, I don't like xenophobia, isolationism in under normal circumstances, I wouldn't condone it. Um, but I, I, I want to know what happened. Well, I mean, far be it,
0: far be it from Star Trek to, you know, be tied to, uh, current political topics, Uh, (laughs) um, you know, but, uh, here's this great message that says like, um, yeah, you might be anxious and scared and worried about things that are happening right at home, right in your backyard. But guess what? Those other people over there who are a little farther away from you, who maybe are a little bit different from you, they're still you yeah there's still the still people on this planet who need your help, you know, and we're just extrapolating here nine hundred years in the future after the worst yeah. possible disaster
1: classic to, star trek allegory exactly,
0: trying to get it into their heads, like those people are still you, even though you've maybe got it good here on earth um you are. You're failing morally here if you have uh, if you've narrowed your vision that much, you know.
2: Yeah, and I think for me um, that allegory hits home pretty hard because I've been really um, extraordinarily disappointed by uh, America's um, sort of abandonment of like the refugee program Mm -hmm. in America and just how we sort of turned our back to the world. And and so I think this, uh, that message was very welcome. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that in, uh, in future episodes, there there is a, a more, uh, a continuation of that message of connectivity for like all people. Um, and sometimes I think discovery in the past, it has gone towards, you know, war and explosions so yeah. I'm hoping for, for the season it's more about restoring uh, lost connections um, and so like there was a little bit of like th- that theme left hanging at the end of Tilly and Burnham's conversation mm-hmm. like I-, I loved a lot of the imagery that they and that conversation but they both said oh, oh we both like cake right and then that was it <laughs> So right. it it seems like the shared trauma those two characters have experienced needs a little more hashing out um in the future, just like I think the entire crew needs to spend a little more time grasping with the trauma of being a being separated from everyone and everything right. they know. I mean
1: we've got ten episodes left. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think
0: Yeah, I mean hopefully what we're landing on is that you know they're they're doing a more sophisticated job getting these relationships and character traits out now but i think they're also doing a more sophisticated job of just really leaning into what are the star trek morals meanings messages what are the types of stories that we want to tell that are truly relevant and current to current political or social concerns and i look uh we, we we've so, nothing but praise for this episode uh, i can 't wait to see how far we go in the next ten episodes because you know maybe there might be things that kind of sway us one direction or the other, but if this is the path that they 're taking, if this is the direction that they 're going, I really can 't wait to see what else they're able to uh, unveil and unlock with this. John, thank you so much for your uh, comments tonight, Holly, thank you for joining us again., uh, yeah, can I'll, I give
1: a special shout out please. to. Special shout out to the props department for working in 47.
3: Yeah, wait, for where? Episode.
1: where? Oh, so at the beginning of the episode, during Burnham's like whole speech and stuff, they're like, she's like, you know, I've become a courier and stuff, and she gets like something from somebody and it has an NCC on it. It's NCC 4774. Nice. And they, they did that in Voyager all the time. Like, obviously, they used 47, yeah. but every now and again, they'd swap it and it would be 74. Good job, props Very
4: department.
0: Cool. Nice. <laughs> All right. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the integral Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, that would be very nice of you. Give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Accessories by cufflinksinc.com. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.